Welcome to the Two Real Cinema Club. I am James Zika. My name is Andres Lorente. And uh, this week, for the first time after a year of podcasting, uh, very exciting, we have got you know, a proper ceremony. We are going to be looking back at films of the year. <laughs> We're going to be going back through uh, which films uh, stood out, uh, which films were the worst clunkers, uh, and finally sharing what we reckon was the best film released uh, in 2022 that we covered on the pod. Very exciting. I see you've got your tux on. I do, but I always wear a tux, so it's not That's that true, you do always wear a tux, actually. You're right. But this time you're also wearing the pants. So... <laughs> Which is like ironic, because like, normally when you pod, you don't wear pants when you're podding, but today, that's what makes this point? day special, yes. <laughs> pants. Um, uh, I hope you appreciated the red carpet I'd rolled out. I love it. Uh, which is which is some old co- offcuts that I found underneath the stairs, but <laughs> I thought that would do. Flush. Pretty flush. So, um, uh, we've got seven categories, mm-hmm. uh, and we haven't shared with each other... Um, what uh, what we've nominated. So we're going to each uh, make our nominations live and then we're going to have to duke it out somehow to figure out who actually wins the gong. Wow. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go first. Uh, the first category is the best film yep. that we've seen this year that was not released this year. Okay. So... Uh, so this is like half of all the films in the pod. We've seen some fantastic classics. And on average, uh, I don't think it's unfair to suggest that, you know what, the old films on average are better than the new films. Yeah. Um, so in a way, we're kind of starting with the best of the best. Yeah. Uh, so out of all the films that we've seen this year that weren't released this year, I'm going to nominate my favourite. And I think I'm going to go for Kez, Ooh. Ken Loach film. Yeah. Um, which I've seen several times. A joy to see it again this year. So fantastic. Um, still so relevant. Yeah. Uh, so moving. So humanist. Mm-hmm. Um, what a triumph. It's a classic for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Not the best choice, but still. Jimmy, strong <laughs> choice. Strong choice. <laughs> oh, well, good. I can feel a fight brewing already. Uh, Kess, was a, <laughs> Kess was an absolute treat for me because I had never seen it. And maybe that's what um, is altering my decision a little bit. Um, ah. I think if, if I saw it more and more, and honestly, if I understood the dialogue without subtitles more and more, <laughs> I would probably uh, appreciate it more and would agree with you. But I'm going to go with The Seventh Seal. Oh. Ingmar Bergman's absolute classic, which I have seen three times now at three different phases of my life, and it just gets better and better and better. So this is a film that I think is just absolutely worthy of being called a masterpiece. And as I said, it's just every time I see it, I see new things, and I just appreciate every frame more and more. So I'm going to go with The Seventh Seal. Oh, well, I'll tell you what you have done. You have brought a gun to a knife fight, haven't you? I can't beat The Seventh Seal. Yep, it has to be The Seventh Seal. Okay. You're absolutely right. Oh, which is a, it's a shame to throw Kez under the bus, but you're right. Who can compete with the Seventh Seal? Uh, let's throw it under. Yeah, I, not a bus with big tires. It's a, a very gentle bus because uh, Kes is An just brilliant. Bus. I really loved it. So uh, you have chosen well. Um, shall we move on to the next category? Let's move on to the next category. 
Um, best actor in a comedy. I've got to check on mine. Okay. Um, shall I reveal my nomination first? You will. I've got to, I've, when we were coming up with the categories, yeah. I should explain. Yeah. I, I don't know what you think about this. Yeah. The Oscars still say, yeah. you know, best leading actor, best leading actress. Yeah. And I, I wonder, whether, are we just coming to the end of that? I wonder whether in a couple of years' time we won't be doing that anymore. Yeah. Because I, you know, it's like, you know, you don't go and see a doctress yeah. or a lawyeress. Yeah. You know, or call up the plumberess. It seems, you know, a little bit twentieth century yeah. for there to be an award for the boys and an award for the girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect that fairly soon, you know, we're going to compress those actor awards together. But because there will be half the number of actors, then they'll need to be shared out in some different kind of way. Otherwise, there'll be half the number of awards, won't yeah. there? Yeah. So I was thinking maybe you know, best actor in a comedy, best actor in a drama oh, means good, yeah. that you know. We get the same number of awards, but you're not you're not um, saying oh, and now one for the ladies yeah. because they couldn't keep up with the men. What about best actor and second best actor? <laughs> oh yes, that's fair. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure the winners are going to go for that. Um, I no, I agree with you. I think, and I think the stakes are higher if there's just one best actor. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they can come up with other. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe just do the different. Uh, the different genres of film to spread it out a little bit more and, and give more awards away. Um, so, yeah, we're going uh, with just best actor in a comedy and best actor in a drama. I think we are progressive to Real Cinema Club ahead of uh, our time. Ahead of the curve. Um, okay. You might have me in this category because I'm not even sure that this was a comedy. Wait, I might have a, you in this, this category. A, this is a film I didn't understand so well either. So um, I'm going to go with Michelle Yeoh who we saw in a film, something called Everyone, Everywhere, All the Time, or something like that. What's it called? Well, every, everything, everything constantly. <laughs> All at once, right? <laughs> everything constantly being hammered into your eyes without relent. Yeah. Yes. I thought she was great, and I think it does probably qualify as comedy, so I'm going to go with Michelle Yeoh. Uh, she was great, actually. You're right. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just a single role, was it? She had to play herself in many different dimensions Precisely. and many different aspects of her um, personality. Um, she was great, actually, and she was very funny yeah. in that as well. I'm I'm going to see your Michelle Yeoh, okay. and I'm going to raise you Alana Hyam in Licorice Pizza, oh. um, uh, which I think I would count as a comedy. Okay. Um, it certainly did make me laugh, although yeah. there was plenty of drama as well. I thought she was absolute revelation in that movie, just fantastic. You could turn around and tell me, well, she was largely playing herself, and I would respond by telling you that's what all the great actors do. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, uh, right from the first moment when she appears, and there's just something about her walk, the way that she stamps across the screen, mm-hmm. tells you everything you need to know about her yeah. character without her opening her mouth. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic performance. Very funny, very real, very vivid. Um you know, and uh, there's a scene uh, in that movie where she has to play opposite Sean Penn, and she, you know, completely eats the eats the camera. She's yeah. just fantastic. Um, and if you're going to make your you know, debut in a movie and you have to be on a one-on-one scene with Sean Penn, good luck to you. Yeah. Um, and she, uh, she absolutely. I'm, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say knocked it out of the park, which is a terrible cliche, and I regret saying that already. She did very well, is what I mean. She did very well. Who are you are you gonna are you gonna side with me or am I gonna have to side with you? I think you have to side with me because that's her debut film. Michelle Yeoh's been working so hard, so long. She finally gets a you know like a proper lead role in a comic um, film, which is kind of a little bit outside her wheelhouse, I think. And um, I think she deserves it. But 
Yep. Okay, you win. You win. You're right. <sighs> Thank you. In, the, in that true Oscars tradition, yeah, that your war just isn't about yeah, one movie. It's about exactly a who's made more films and been under recognised for them. I guess. Well, so that might that might play into my next award then. Okay, so I got the next envelope, which is best actor in a drama. Yeah. Um, but I am going to give this one to another debutant. Ooh, debutant. Uh, a not English language movie that we watched for the pod in the autumn. Uh, incredibly, a, a Netflix original. Uh, and not many of them were picking up awards this year, but yeah. this one does. Uh, from Orqua on the Western Front, yeah. I think Felix Camera, uh, who plays the lead uh, in that movie. Um, first time he's been in a film. I think he may have done some stage work before. I think he's the son of opera singers. So, you know, he's familiar with the theatrical life, but this is the first time that he's really appeared on camera. Um, and I think he does an outstanding uh, job playing this ingenue mm-hmm. um, as the life is gradually hammered out of him um, through the horrors of the First World War. Um, it was one of those uh, roles that would be easy to play, you know, one dimensionally. Um, and yet, you know, he brings you know, tremendous life to those scenes. You can really see what's going on behind his eyes. I think it's just great. He's really brilliant in that. I suspect we'll be seeing him a lot yeah. more in European cinema to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a debut. Well done. What do you think? I think I agree with you. Ooh. Kind of. <laughs> He's my second choice. And I, oh. I, there weren't many of these where I put a second choice, but he is my second choice. I I agree with you entirely. I thought that was a great film. And especially for him, he I mean, I, I think he's uh, ostensibly the the protagonist of that film, but there, he sort of fights a little bit for, for screen time with some other characters too. I think he's the one we follow, yeah. of course, which makes the, the – I think it makes it – performance that much more incredible because he um he doesn't have like out and out first billing i guess you know he's not necessarily yeah. um but as far as people just sort of playing themselves penelope cruz in parallel mothers i just thought was fantastic oh. i love her and everything so i've just got this penelope cruz bias so on this one i could very easily come over to your side and agree uh, on felix um but I do want to just recognize that Penelope Cruz is just getting better and better with age. And I think, you know, she was probably considered something of a lightweight uh, actor um, 20, 25, 30 years ago. But now I think she's really the real deal. A lot of, lot of subtlety to her performance in that film, yeah. isn't there, actually? Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of many realism. I, mean, if I really feel like she's that character. She's very real. Which I don't, you know, I think earlier on she was just too gorgeous and too perfect to be real in some way. And now I think she's she's real. Getting better with age. Yep, yep, absolutely. Oh, oh, hard, hard, hard. Come on, come, come with me, uh, yeah, Felix. Somewhere. I'm happy to. I'm happy to because okay, I love fantastic. to see someone yeah. up and coming. And as a, as you said, I think you're going to see him in English language films soon, and uh, certainly in more European cinema. Yeah, fantastic. Does that mean that I get the next category, which is best scene this year? Scene. Okay, wow. Um, I I sort of tre- cheated on this a little bit. Um, <laughs> In true Oscars fashion. Yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, and these are, um, okay, I've got two scenes. Uh, one is, uh, it's fairly close to the opening. It's that this sort of rumble scene in RRR, this uh, scene where um, the soldier goes out into this crowd of thousands of people. <laughs> and it's just, it's so over the top and unbelievable that just as a, as a, a 
a piece of mastercraft of, of filmmaking, I think it's worthy of being best seen. But on the other side, and I'm not that attached to it, honestly, because I, I wasn't that big of a fan of the film. Um, and another film, which I really detested, certainly not a big fan, but I loved <laughs> because it was so bad. This is like a hate, a hate love thing. Um, I loved some of the, I think that there's one, there are more than one abortion scenes in Blonde, but there's this one abortion scene in Blonde that was just so over the top and so bad that I just loved it. It was this, uh, there's a scene if you, and, and it, it made me no longer question why there were so many deaths and abortions in the 50s because Maryland's in this room and there are far too many people and far too little personal protective equipment, uh, very few masks, a lot of people, most of whom are not doctors. Um, and then actually the <laughs> hospital is kind of on fire at the same time and it's just so unrealistic and so poorly done that um, – <laughs> It's kind of one of my best scenes just because it'd be hard to make something so bad and so, so unbelievable. Like all these people in the room with her, uh, it's just overly dramatic. And at one point she walks up, she walks away from the table. And as I said, I think the next room is just burning. Um, and I know that the, mm. the director is trying to really get into her her, her mental space. Um, but it's just so, so gratuitous that uh, it's so bad <laughs> that it's good. So I think you're, whatever you've chosen, it's definitely going to be better than my scenes. You've cleverly chosen two scenes that completely sum up the films that they're in, don't they? That RRR scene that kind of sets out the store for the movie, yeah. and the same with the blonde movie. It, that kind of yeah, that one scene. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah and she and has, the she room. Has... I don't know. You're in an operation theater very often, but uh, there's just terrible lighting. It's like how would the doctors know what they're doing? There's like this one light on her that's just uh, you know, like a ten watt bulb or something like that. Um, well, that's obviously why they lit the fire, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's why they lit the fire. <laughs> Let's just get some light in here, for God's sake. So I, I'm going to nominate another scene from R. Oh, okay. That oh. that film has no shortage of memorable yeah. scenes. The, the the one that I was going to pick is the piggyback ride from the second half of the film. Okay. Um, where yeah, one, one character can't use his arms, I think, and one character can't use his legs, yeah. and so they climb on top of each other, and they have this absolutely astonishing, outrageous, unbelievably choreographed fight scene yeah. with one guy riding on the back of another guy. I mean, yes. it's just oh, incredible. <laughs> um, and I just have to admire someone who's come up with a a notion for this this scene yeah. and then played it out with with just such confidence. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's not like it's not like a 20-second piggyback ride. I mean, it's like three and a half minutes, yeah. I think, of, of, of uh, having to piggyback ride and shooting guns and sliding down zip wires. And I mean, just incredible. Yeah. Um, so I love the conviction of that scene. My other nomination for best scene of the year um, is going back to everything, everywhere, all at yeah. once. Um, so the film that Michelle Yeoh won for, and there's a scene in that uh, where you have this brief respite. The film is so hyperactive. Yeah. Until the characters travel to this dimension where everything is just rocks on a hillside. Yeah. And then, you know, the two rocks just sit there completely still and silent. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's funny um, and it's largely intended to be a joke, but it's, you know, it's kind of touching and sweet at the same time and very well played. And yeah. Great acting by the rocks. I mean, it's lovely. It's really yeah. good. And um, in a film that's full of surprises, some of the prior surprises are a little bit silly and cheesy. This is a, you know, a great surprise, yeah. really well made, I thought. Um, that's, that strikes me as the standout scene from a film which was you know crammed with a lot of scenes with a lot of stuff crammed yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, four strong nominations. Who's going to win? I would like to come over to your side 
for your second choice. I love the rock scene. It was definitely my favorite. Let's go with, uh, let's go with the rocks. Scene. Yep. And I needed that scene. Uh, that film was so <laughs> overwhelming for me. Um, I just needed that peace and quiet. And I, yet, I think it really summed up um, existence in a way that we don't really live it anymore. We don't live that natural life where there's just lack of movement and there's not just so much happening that we can't keep track of what's happening. Um, I love that moment. So I'm going to go with the rocks in everything, everywhere, all at once. The rocks have it. Yes. I got the next. I got the next envelope here. Okay. Now this is a tricky one. So this yeah. is best script, yep. and this is you know the award that you and I are probably most interested in. I know, but it's also the, kind of the one that I feel most nervous about handing out because I have not read the script for any of these oh, movies. That's true. I'm guessing that the Academy, um, when they vote at the Oscars, they probably also haven't read the script, that's and what right. they are going on is the dialogue, which, as you and I know. Um, is only 10% of what the script really is. Yeah. Um, so my nomination for best script, I'm going to say the Richard Linklater film Apollo mm. 10 and a half. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's quite sort of underwritten. Um, there's an awful lot of voiceover, which is usually my least favorite narrative device. Yeah. Um, and yet it feels heartfelt and genuine and sweet. Yeah. Um, and very cohesive. It all kind of comes together in the same way that, you know, directors are most interested in a scene as like a directorial unit of work. Whenever you work with a director, they're always kind of interested in, well, this scene, that scene, it's you know, the scene is the level that their mind works on. Whereas I think when you're a writer, your um, unit of work is the full 120 page script. Yeah. And for Apollo 10 and a half, that whole 120 pages, you know, it it feels like it Constantine is together into a single unified um, story and a mm -hmm. viewpoint and a, a sort of a notion. Yeah. Um, so that's what gets my norm. Apollo ten and a half. I, I like that choice. Um, you know, he, it's autobiographical, so he's definitely writing what he knows. Um, I think for older farts like you and me, we're we're basically <laughs> in that same age group, that same uh, that same <laughs> yep. decade generation. So I think it appeals to us in particular. Um, so I think it. I do think it is a good choice. It's not my choice, however. Oh. Um, I liked um, Parallel Mothers. Pedro uh, Almodovar, yeah. Uh, I think, again, I'm going back to that uh, film. Great great performance. And I think sometimes a great performance really makes a script uh, look even better. Because as you said, people are not reading the scripts that are nominated. They're looking at – they're basically looking at a production script on screen. So they're really – seeing something different from what the writer originally wrote. But in Amodovar's case, he made the film as well. He's the director. Um, and I think he he does a lot of that personal stuff that I love in uh, Apollo 10 and a half, but I think he does it, you know, it's his perspective and it's it's not autobiographical. So I think it's a greater achievement in that way. Um, and then towards the very end, he, he sort of, he nationalizes it. You know, it's this film about um, the parentage of a, on a personal level, but also parentage on a, on a uh, national level, on a con on a country a country's level, um, and so he's wrestling with uh, Spain's past as well. So I think it's quite an accomplishment in that way. However, I'm <laughs> I'm willing to come over to your side on this one as well because I do uh, I feel a real kinship with Linklater, and um, 
and, and both both uh, the writers in this case, but um, I really feel a kinship to him. So I don't know if you feel more coming over to my side. Or yeah, if you, if you come over to my side, you won't find me there anymore. I've oh. already moved over to your oh, side. Okay. okay, I think actually I'm going to agree with you and give it to Parallel Mothers, All partly because right. I feel guilty of cheating uh, Penelope Cruz out of her award okay. earlier. Oh, oh, and um, but also because you're right, it is a real accomplishment to join together this very personal story about motherhood with you know a story about the Spanish Civil War. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, and again, in you know, current, uh, you know, the current political climate, you know, there's a, there's a war in Europe going on right now. Yeah. Um. You know, that feels tremendously mm-hmm. relevant. Yeah, yeah. Um. And current. Uh. Yeah. So yeah, I think putting those two ideas into a script and making it all work deserves an award. Absolutely, I think he's done great. Actually, yep, yep. I would like to ask you though. Yeah. When you watched Parallel Mothers. Yeah. Were you reading the English subs or were you listening to the Spanish dialogue? I usually do a mix of both. I definitely listen to the Spanish dialogue, but I, I always check out the subtitles because I'm so fascinated by the whole subtitling pro- process. And, uh, you know, you're getting less information. You probably get, I don't know, maybe 60 to 75 percent of the of the dialogue in the subtitles. You, uh. You're certainly not seeing the whole film. So you sort of have to uh, do both simultaneously, I think. And uh, I, I perceive, I mean... I presume you would be comfortable watching Parallel Mothers without the subs at all, or or is the accent a bit uh, um, a bit opaque for you? It's a bit opaque. It's funny because um, it's it's. I've been exposed to the the, the Spanish accent a lot, but I'm more comfortable with uh, Cuban and Caribbean. I think, which is funny because right. I've, I've spent more time in Spain than and my sister in law is Spanish, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, it's, it's definitely a comfort. It's a nice little crutch to have. I definitely have to focus more if I'm listening, um, only in Spanish. So it's definitely a crutch to have the subtitles and it certainly helps. And as I said, it's for me, it's just, uh, like having something to read and then not reading it would be very, very unnatural somehow, I guess. <laughs> so I, best of both worlds or worst of both worlds, but that's, that's how I approach it, I guess. Um, I'm going to come over to your side though. I think we're we're switching oh. places here. Yeah, I like to pair <laughs> Apollo ten and a half. I thought it was a great choice, and I think just he's my brother in time. Uh, Richard Linklater, we're probably very close in age, so I'm gonna. I think he deserves uh, an award here. Elmodor gets awards all the time. Okay, okay, fine. Let's let's give it to Richard Linklater. Then. Okay, all right. And I'm not going to forget that now because that means that I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to come over to your side at some point to pay you back, aren't yeah. I? Yeah, well, no. You, you, get, you get some next envelope. We just, did a, we just did a nice exchange of sides, so I think that's uh, <laughs> that's good, too. Um, biggest clunker. Okay. Um, and the winner in my book is, this was so easy, and I'm so happy to talk about it again, um, Jurassic World, or oh. is it something Dominion? And then I think it's called Jurassic World Dominion. Was that what we watched? Yeah, Jurassic Jurassic World vague noun. Yeah. <laughs> um, this film was, I think, when you proposed it, you said, "What did you you called it like a hate film or a hate like or what?" I <laughs> hate watch. Hate watch. <laughs> um, I I really thought this was a terrible script. I thought it was terribly acted, and it, we've been talking recently about how maybe good actors and great casting can make a, a bad script better or make a good film anyway. Um, it was impossible with this film. It was just so bad. And I remember working really, really hard to pull out some good themes uh, and some, like, any just vestige of intellectualism from that film. Uh, and I really, I got to hand it to myself. I did very good work making that film a little <laughs> bit better or a little bit less awful than it actually was. So that's my biggest clunk. I really have no question in my mind. So I don't know what you got, but... Well, it's hard to beat that because, you know, the award is called 
biggest clunker rather than worst clunker. <laughs> and yeah, Jurassic World Dominion was an enormous Huge. film yeah. and a clunker. Yeah. Um, mine, you know, it's, it's a large clunker, but not quite as big as yours, which is Red Notice. Yeah. Um, Dwayne Johnson's Netflix original. I think they did spend like $170 million Oof. on it, although I'm not entirely sure how. Yeah. Um, and, oh dear, you know, a lot of money spent on a film which ends up being, yeah, it's kind of rather smug, yeah. rather lazy, rather nonsensical. Um, a real kind of will this do project. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm sure there are talented people involved with that film, but I'm not sure they put very much effort into it. Yeah. Uh, but um, big clunker though it was, I don't think it compared to the enormity of Jurassic World Dominion, which is yeah a, a <laughs> clunker of epic scale. I think I might have to give that one to you. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Please do. Please do. I worked hard for that. So I welcome. The award no one wants to win. Welcome you over. So does that leave us with anything like good to talk about or what happens next? Well, we've only got one envelope left, which Uh is the, the best film released this year. So, you know, we've already nominated the best film not released this year. Um, we have seen some really terrific pictures. So I've I've got two um, yeah. two on my sheet here. Yeah. Um, one of which we have already talked about, and one which has not been mentioned yet. Okay. Um, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk I'm gonna offer one, and then I'll flip over to you, and you can nominate one. So okay. my my nomination um, first of two, best film of the year, Licorice Pizza. Oh. Um, I had fairly low expectations going into Licorice Pizza, actually. Um, uh, I'm not an enormous fan of Paul Thomas Anderson, um, but I was really surprised. I think this is his best film. Mm. Um, I think it's a real proper achievement because it just feels so authentic. It feels kind of heartfelt. um, And uh, there's um, a real, real perceptible sense of place and time in Mm. this film. Yeah. Uh, when we watched it, we paired it up with Fast Times at Ridgemount High. That's right. Um, and in one of the scenes in that movie, they go into mm-hmm. uh, a mall and there's a record shop there, which is called Licorice Pizza, which solves the mystery of why this, the uh, the film released this year is called what it is. Yeah. And it's that kind of sense of of um, of place and time. Uh, it's so um, detailed and palpable and um, just feels very genuine. Mm. Um so I feel transported by that film. Great debut by Lana Hyam. Yeah. Uh, lots of great gags. Um, and, you know, kind of a sweet but not sickly emotional story at the end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a great surprise. Loved it. Mm-hmm. What, what have you got on your sheet? Uh, we're doing best film. I lost my place for a moment. Um, <laughs> God, now I feel very boring. Uh, Parallel Mothers. Um, you know, if a film is good, why shouldn't it come up in a lot of categories? <laughs> exactly, yeah. I think it's just the – it's like the most cinema of all the films we've seen. It just Ooh. seems like a, a film that's going to last um, uh, very well for a long, long time, and I think it is already cinema. Um, love the story. Love the acting. Um, it had, you know, just a couple of comic moments to to remind you that it's an uh, Almodovar film and that he can still do that, but um, so, like, serious and just so – so competently made without drawing attention to itself. I mean, it was just good filmmaking and good storytelling. So, um, 
and I th I'm not a fan of Paul Thomas Anderson either. I don't get him. I don't think I get his films. And um, I think Licorice Pizza was just too loose for me. So as a writer and as kind of a, uh, uh, I don't know, my, my, a script Nazi or something like that, I really like tight storytelling, <laughs> you know? And I think that there, uh, there's just too much looseness in that film for me. You're right. It captures... Um, Time and place. I think you're absolutely right about that. But it captures his time and place. Um, so we were talking about autobiographical works being really real. I think you're right. It's very real, but it's not a particularly interesting real to me, and it's not a particularly compelling. I just I never know what he's trying to really say in his films, and I don't know that he actually needs to or wants to say a whole lot in his films. So I think Parallel Mothers again. Almodovar is going after something big. He's talking about motherhood. And and honesty and honesty on a again this sort of national memory level as well as on a personal level and he pulls it off. I didn't think that film was going to be very good. Just if you read you know what it's about and such, it didn't it didn't strike me as being a compelling film. Saw it in a sm small theater and it was just a perfect environment for it and I just thought it was great. So I'm going to go with that. But I think you've got a a third reel. You've brought a third reel I ha to the two I have, So I have, I have another nom, um, which is a film that we have not talked about. And you know, when I say its name, yeah. uh, we're both going to be surprised. Why haven't we talked about yeah. this yet? The other film that I'm going to nominate as best film of the year is Top Gun Maverick. Oh, yes. Now, that's the only movie that I saw in a theatre twice this year. Oh. Um, so I took my daughter to see it slightly on a whim. We went to the IMAX, completely blown away about yeah. it, and then went to see it again with some friends uh, and the rest of the family uh, a week or so later. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just as effective, just as fun yeah. as the first time around. Um, it's interesting you're talking about Parallel Mothers being cinematic because, you know, Maverick is, you know, proper... Yeah cinema isn't it you could watch that film with all the dialogue turned off and you would understand what was yeah. going on yeah this is kind of cinematic storytelling yeah um tremendous you know surprise in the third act yeah um you know not exactly the thing that you would have predicted it's just so much to enjoy and i recognize yes this is commercial and it's kind of jingoistic and it's um it's certainly not criticizing the military industrial complex but on a on we are at the popcorn counter now. Mm -hmm. And as a film that you were <laughs> going to take your popcorn into and munch through loudly as you uh, enjoy a bit of proper kind of old school cinematic spectacle, I think Maverick yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, ticks all the boxes. Mm -hmm. uh, again, it's another film that I wasn't expecting to like and it was a film that I think nobody wanted. Um, and yet Blue and Egg turned out well, didn't it? It did. It did. I would be willing to join you on that popcorn counter or in that theater to see it a third time if you'd like. Whoa! Um, yeah, I was I was blown away by how blown away I was because I didn't think I was going <laughs> to like this film. I didn't, the original Top Gun is it's good and it's an important part of my youth, but um, I was surprised how much I liked this film. I was surprised how much I was excited to pod about it. That was how ridiculous it was. I was just <laughs> I was just giddy with uh, with pleasure um, and so ready to uh, to to talk about that film at length. And uh, it surprised me. It surprised me as a film, and it surprised me how it surprised me. So maybe we should call that the best picture. <laughs> It's 
nice to be surprised, isn't it? Isn't it nice to be surprised? Yeah. Well, for all, for all our pseudo-Marxist credentials, um, <laughs> I can't believe we're going to nominate Maverick as the best film of the year, but that's what I'm writing down here on the list. Maverick. Oh, Lord. Are you happy to sign that with me? Yes. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, to, to recap, this year's winners, The Seventh Seal, Michelle Yeoh, Felix Camera, Some Rocks on a Hillside, um, <laughs> the, uh, the script of Parallel Mothers, uh, and the script of uh, yeah. Apollo Ten and a Half. I think so. We had a double winner, we didn't did we? We did have a double winner. Um, uh, Jurassic World Dominion Absolutely. Expanse Empire creation <laughs> blows up. Um, it's the film that we're sweeping under the carpet, and Maverick um, is, is the popcorn counter pick of the year. Well, it hasn't been a bad year. No, not has at all. It hasn't been a bad year for cinema. No. And it's been a great year for the Two Real Cinema Club. <laughs> um, thanks uh, to all our listeners yeah. for joining us for the year. Join us. Uh, since this is the first part of 2023. I hope you join it us is. for the rest of this year. We will be back next week um, with Avatar. Uh, I wonder whether that will end up being uh, best film of 2023 well we'll find out yeah Um, hope you'll join us then Uh, thanks for coming out and putting your tucks on Uh, and we will see you then alright see you everybody